You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. If you don't leave with anything, leave with this. The Lord wants to flick on your faith switch today. And I found that in my Christian life, and I've been a Christian for many years since I was 12. I've been in ministry for 25 years. I'm 43, almost 44 I've found that uh, probably the greatest battle that I have ever fought in my life is not the battle to take ground, but the battle to stand my ground. You know, I think sometimes in church too, we can have this unrealistic expectation of what our lives should look like. We kind of feel a little bit ashamed or embarrassed if we haven't taken a quantum leap in, you know, an upwinding direction on any given year like we've somehow failed. But you know, there are some years where you will literally, at the end of that year, it's like you just get up out of the dust and you shake yourself off and you're you're like, thank God I'm not dead. Thank God I'm still married. Thank God I still have some joy. Thank God I still have some peace. Thank God I'm not locked up in a mental institution. And the win was the fact, not so much that you took ground, but you stood your ground. And so I want to speak into that today because I believe that there are some people here and you're facing some very real battles. But I want you to know this, in the face of very real battles, we serve a very real God. And the Bible says that through our God, we shall do valiantly. And in that beautiful, it doesn't say through your strength. It says through the strength of our God, we will come through. And even though the enemy may come at you uh, one way, he will flee from you seven ways. If you stand your ground and trust in the Lord and believe him to deliver you from a situation that may be trying to drag you down today. So today we're going to have a look at a story by, um, found in the book of Chronicles. It's about a man by the name of Hezekiah. Now I was going to read you the scripture, but just for time's sake, I'm not going to do it. Um, because I don't want to waste time reading scripture. So I'm going to retell the story for you. It's found in the book of First Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles, excuse me, uh, chapter number 32. And it's about this king Hezekiah, and he was a good king. The Bible said that he was a really good king. He was king over Judah at that time. And uh, the Bible says that at this particular time that a very real enemy came against the, the city of the Lord came against King Hezekiah and the people that he was called to lead. Now, this enemy uh, went by the name of Sennacherib. Sennacherib was very, very evil. Not only was he evil, he was very powerful. The Bible says that he had systematically gone through the earth at that time, sacking cities, killing kings, taking people captive. And here we have King Hezekiah, and the Bible says that Sennacherib came, saw King Hezekiah and the fortified land of the Judeans and said, I'm coming to make war and I'm going to make them my captives. Very, very demonic. So in the face of this very real threat, King Hezekiah did some very significant things to stand his ground. And I believe that the battle that King Hezekiah fought and won is a battle that we can glean from today as we face our own Sennacheribs. As he comes to come against the, the lives of God's people, we can stand our ground and through our God, we're going to do valiantly because he's going to tread down our enemies. So I want to just break it down just a little bit and talk about uh, a few things that Hezekiah did. The first th- thing that he did that I believe is so significant and somewhat being lost in the church world today is that he didn't isolate himself 
from wise counsel. In verse 2 of that story, it says that when Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, the hero of the day, saw that Sennacherib, the evil enemy, had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders. Somebody say he consulted. To stop the water from the springs which were outside the city and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs in the brook that ran through the land saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? It made perfect sense. Why are we feeding the enemy when we should be starving him? So that's a word for some people today. What maybe do you need to cut off? What are you sustaining the enemy with and giving him strength? And God's saying to you today, it's time to cut off the enemy's fuel supply. Don't feed the thing that I'm calling you to starve. Don't strengthen the thing that I'm calling you to weaken and defeat so it does not take you out. But what I love about this story is the fact that King Hezekiah, even though he was a king, the Bible says that he rallied around him men with wisdom who gave him counsel in order to help him take out the enemy that was coming against him. I remember being in Dallas uh, probably a couple of years ago. And it's always surprising to me at how many people in America say they're Christians, like a whole bunch of them. Like you talk to everybody. It's, it's you know, in, a, in Australia and New Zealand, you don't say you're a Christian unless you're one. You, you're not going to pretend you're something you're not. In America, everybody's a Christian. Surprising. And then I was, I was sitting, uh, in, I was in a bar in Dallas. And the reason I was in a bar, I don't want to sound like a drunkard, was because I was... Um, speaking at a women's conference and it ended late and I was so hungry and nothing was open in the hotel except the bar. And it was like, it was like jungle fever in that place, full of cougars and manthas and all kinds of things going on. (laughs) And anyway, I walk in because I'm desperate and I sit down at the bar and I order a cheese plate and I'm just sitting there and I call my husband and I said to my, I said, Meeting went fantastic. I'm just here eating. I'm, I'm in the bar. He's like, babe, you're in a bar on your own. Are you wearing a wedding ring? I'm like, yes, I've got my wedding ring on. He goes, babe, you're going to get hit on. And I'm like, well, I'm flipping better. Otherwise, I'm going to be very insulted. Anyway, I was sitting there waiting and um, along comes this guy and he sits next to me and you know, introduces himself, and I thought, I'm completely comfortable with this. Started with, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a pastor of a church. If he still wants to have a conversation after that, I'm happy. <laughs> so we start chatting. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, and you know, I go to a church. And I said, oh, what's, what's your church's name? Oh. <laughs> so that's all right. Uh, what's your pastor's name? Maybe I know your pastor. Oh, Bill Bob. I can't quite remember. And then he went on to tell me that he'd been going through a hard time in his relationship. His marriage had actually ended in divorce because apparently his wife had tricked him into thinking or believing that she was a Christian when she actually wasn't. And I thought, wow, I knew girls were tricky. But I didn't think they were that tricky. I said, you know, that's why you have to get planted, not just attend a church, not just come occasionally, but get grafted in. Because I said, if you walked into our church with a woman who was pretending to be a Christian, we would have sniffed her out in a second. (laughs) And we would have said, buddy, give her a wide berth. 
But here's the thing. I find that many people in the world today are too content to come in and sit on the fringes and the edges of church and they miss out on the very wisdom and counsel that the Lord would have come to them to save them in times when the enemy is coming against them. I love Hezekiah because he blows this narrative out of the water. He is the king. He is the grand poobah. And he still does not see himself as too lofty and too high up to have a conversation with other people when the enemy came against him. We're living in a time where everything is extremely isolated. And, and I have this theory. It's called the, the serial killer theory. You know when they talk about serial killers and they're always like, he was a quiet guy, <laughs> kept mainly to himself. You never hear about serial killers being like sanguines with really deep friendships with a whole bunch of great people, life of the party, super involved in the community. It's always a quiet guy, kept mainly to himself. I'm like, warning, warning, warning. That's the thing. You make some really foolish decisions when you're a quiet guy who keeps mainly to himself. I wonder, I mean, just think about if that quiet guy who kept mainly to himself had a bunch of friends that he could go to and go, you know what, buddy? I feel like I want to go out and kill a whole bunch of people. The benefit of community is that you would go, dude, don't do it. It's a bad move. And many of us have isolated ourselves from wise counsel and things have to shift. It doesn't matter how high up you are in the food chain, what kind of personality type you have, God is going to surround yourself, wants you to surround yourself with a community of believers who will give you wisdom that you may not currently have. Now listen, I don't have a, I don't have a college education. I left school in the 10th grade. But do you know what the benefit is of being part of a community of believers like the church? I have the potential to be as smart as the smartest person in this room if I have a spirit of humility and I open up my heart and say, teach me how to live. You may have the most dysfunctional foundation and platform and example as it relates to marriage, relationships, friendships, building a business, finances, but how beautiful is God that he puts us together and says, you know what, you're going to have the ability to have wisdom that you may not have been privileged to be born with, may not have been modeled to you by your parents, but when you come into the family of God, you do not isolate yourself from wise counsel, you are a part of it, and those people will carry you and bring you through when you don't have strength and wisdom of your own. Amen, sir. So I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because I love the picture of the three of them together. It wasn't just one man, it was three men. And I, I reckon that when they were in that fiery furnace, perhaps it have, if it had have been, or before they were thrown in, perhaps if it had have been one of them, that they probably would have lost their nerve and bowed. if it was just one when they started you know stoking that fire and heating up that furnace that if it were just one of them alone you would have found that they would have it's too much I've got to bow my knee but how powerful that the three of them together and I reckon maybe Shadrach was standing there and they could see his knees buckling and then Meshach and Abednego were like dude don't do it come on stand firm we're going to do this God is going to deliver us and then maybe Meshach 
kind of falls to his knees and is thinking, I can't do this. But the other two came around him and said, dude, stand up. God is going to bring us through. There's something about being full and part of a church family full of people of faith who will carry you with their wisdom and their strength when you feel like you cannot carry yourself. The Lord has planted you in a beautiful family. Don't let the, Lord, don't let the enemy take you out. And also don't let uh, this current wave of what I'm calling this isolation spirit keep you in the fringes and not grafted into the family of God. You know, we've had a, a plague of people that are suffering with depression and anxiety and many people, many famous people, in fact, taking their own lives. feels like there's been a wave of like a, a spirit of suicide that's gone out there, people with, living with such hopelessness. And I remember hearing on the news uh, after one of the latest suicides in my nation, hey, if you're feeling blue, if you're feeling like you want to take your own life, then call this hotline. I remember thinking to myself, how sad that we've fallen so far, that now instead of being part of a community like a church where we can phone a friend, where we can talk to a family member who's been walking with us, walking through things with us, we have to call a hotline and talk to a stranger. And listen, don't underestimate or, or diminish what I'm saying. I thank God for people on the other ends of those hotlines. They save lives. But it's not how it should be. My gosh, God has given us a gift. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Listen, my friends, church is not just about a message. It's about a gathering together of like-minded people to put strength in you when, like Hezekiah, Sennacherib comes against you and his purpose is to make war. They will carry you and give you wisdom that you may not have in your own natural thinking or understanding in Jesus' name. And somebody needs to say amen. Amen. The second thing that Hezekiah does is he speaks faith. Again, I want you to understand and see that what he was facing was an impossible situation. This enemy, Sennacherib, had taken out kings and sacked cities before he came to Hezekiah's door. It looked like he was undefeatable. This looked like an impossible enemy to beat. And today, I just know that there are people in this building and the enemy is mocking you saying, I am an impossible enemy to beat. Maybe he's saying to you, you're always going to live with addiction. You're always going to live with a violent temper. You're always going to be so angry that you will sabotage and train wreck every relationship that God has given you. Maybe he's saying to you today that you'll always be under a spirit of poverty, that you will never own your own home. Oh, the best you can hope for is that maybe you could rent something nice or get a really nice flatmate that isn't the single white female that wants to kill you in your sleep. Maybe that's <laughs> the best thing that you can hope for. But I'm telling you, I love this man, Hezekiah, because he was such a great role model for us today. In the midst of facing an impossible enemy, he spoke faith. The Bible says he said to himself and he said to the people under his charge, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, 
nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. And I want you to understand that when King Hezekiah was saying that, it was a declaration of faith. Because the truth was, this army, this Sennacherib army, had devoured everything that had gone before it like locusts. He was declaring a word of faith. And it wasn't a word of faith that was rooted in a positive confession. Now I'm from California now. So I am surrounded by people that love to confess the positive. Oh, if you just feel it in your heart. (laughs) And if you speak it, the positive word will send back good vibes. Listen. A positive confession is worth nothing if it is not rooted in the Word of God. A positive confession that isn't rooted in the Word of God is like a veneer over a decaying platform. The positive confession that King Hezekiah spoke was found in this Word. My friends, there is a word for anything that ails you today. And don't for a second think that you're the only person that's ever gone through a crisis. Don't for a second think that you're the only person that, that has ever had a Sennacherib knocking at your door. I remember when my teenage son was taken away, addicted to drugs. Three rehab stints, seven years. In every fiber of my being, I was thinking, how is this happening to me? I'm a girl that has never even smoked a cigarette. I went to a concert once and I'm like, what is that gross smell? Did somebody take off their shoes? And then Jürgen's like, babe, that's marijuana. Like, I am so clueless. I know nothing about nothing. And here I was with this child that was afflicted with a very deep addiction to a very deadly substance. And I had a choice right then to let Sennacherib come in and plunder my household and steal from me what is so precious. Or I could stand up and I could declare with faith the word of God over my child. And the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, Leanne, I want you to prophesy Psalm 1 over your son. When you look at him, it looks dire, it looks hopeless, but I'm telling you today, I don't want you to prophesy what you see. And friends, if Hezekiah had have prophesied what he saw with his natural eyes, there would have been no victory in that battle. Every man for himself, run to the hills. He didn't. He spoke faith. There are more with us than with him. God is going to, with him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God who will do the fighting for us. And listen, I prophesied over my son's life. And what I saw before me was a young boy who didn't want to live. He was so deeply addicted and so deeply depressed. He didn't want his life to continue. And as I saw that, it broke my mother's heart. But at the same time, I loved him too much to let that be the final say. And I declared a word of faith. I prophesied Psalm 1. My son is the fruition of Psalm 1. I was prophesying into his future. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And by golly, he was doing that. And does not stand in the path of sinners. And he was doing that too. And does not sit in the seat of the mocker. And guess what? He was doing that. He said, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't even think I like Jesus. But then the psalm goes on to say, He will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. He will, somebody say he will, bring forth his fruit in season and everything he does will prosper. 
the enemy was not going to take my son out prematurely because I had a word. And that word was a net. So even though my son was trying with all his might to wriggle free and be drawn down into a pit, that net of my positive confession kept him when he didn't want to be kept. And seven years later, my son is more in love with life, more in love with God, and he's got back his smile. Can somebody say amen? And listen, God is no respecter of persons. What does your Sennacherib look like today? How does your confession need to shift? Because as the leader of Israel, Hezekiah had a responsibility to lead his people in strength. And can I speak to the men for a second today? I don't mean to single you out, but men, when you're leading your family, don't put your wife in the position where she has to be the one standing up and contending for everything that's broken in your family. I thank God for my husband who stood up, even in times where my faith was weak, and he brought a word of faith. The Bible says that the people were strengthened through the words of King Hezekiah. Do your words strengthen your cause or do they weaken it because we can't speak defeat and expect victory the bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue don't curse yourself don't curse your situation don't say it's hopeless don't say it's helpless don't say it's useless don't say it's never gonna shift stand on the word of god and if you don't have words in your own natural spirit then grab one out of this and declare it i would declare all my children shall be taught of the lord and great shall be the peace of my children maybe today you've got sickness in your body then the lord is saying pick up your sword man or woman of god and send it out like a seed into your future because we're evidently and eventually we are going to walk into a harvest of the seed words that we sow today. Never too late to stop or to change the words that you're sowing into your future. Never too late. You may have woken up this morning cursing. But thank God his mercies are new every morning and you can change the harvest of your future if you change the words you speak. And then I'm going to say, don't be a beta male. Stand up in your house and be the alpha. You were called to be the head and not the tail. A whole lot of women have risen up and taken charge in places that actually they were never meant to because so many men have fallen asleep at the wheel. And again, sorry, probably jet lag, tiredness, Australianness, all of the above. But I love you too much to lie to you and I have absolutely come to help. And I want to give you a word that's going to shift things. So men, stop rolling the responsibility onto that faithful little wife of yours and start to stand up in your strength and lead your family strong and prophesy into your future and declare the word of the Lord over your family. The interesting thing about this story is that the enemy, Sennacherib, called out in Hebrew. He was a Syrian. Hebrew was not his native tongue. But he called out, the Bible says, to the people of God in Hebrew. And he said, do not let King Hezekiah persuade you or deceive you like this. Because there has been no one in my path or no God that has gone before me that has been ever been able to deliver their people out of my hand. I'm going to take your city today. And isn't that just like the enemy? He knows how to speak our language. 
He knows exactly what to say and how to put it in order to intimidate you so you'll back up, lay down your arms and say, I surrender. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Get the word of God in your spirit and prophesy it into your future in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody say amen? All right, I got seven minutes. I got to keep going because we're going to pray for some people. And the third thing, and I'll ask the band to come up as we come to a close, is we need to be people of prayer again. And listen, I know this is a simple message, but friends, it's the simple things that we often neglect. Some of us don't need the deep revelation, deep calling unto deep. We just need to do the ABCs again. We need to get the foundation right. If we start to listen to wise counsel and we start to prophesy words of faith, and not fear into our future, we're going to start to see things to shift. But we have to be a people of prayer. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.